Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for what a mighty God you are. Lord, you are merciful and gracious to us, and so many times, Lord, we miss opportunities, we, we fail, Lord, we are unfaithful, but you are always faithful. So I pray that you will help us, Lord, that you will take our weakness and, and your strength will, will just be seen. And Lord, I pray that you will give us new opportunities, open doors, Lord, just continue to lead and guide. I pray as we go through this seminar that the Holy Spirit will be here. Lord, that you will remind us. I know even going through it, you've reminded me of things, Lord, that I have so easily put aside. Help us to, to put self aside, Lord, and to see others through your eyes. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we're gonna be covering uh, one of my favorite topics. And it's um, awakening spiritual interest, transitioning into the spiritual. Uh, Sebastian had some great things to, to get us um, going, how to develop those friendships. When you are in, whether it is a workplace or ministry or whatever you are doing, I have found that the same principles apply because people are people, right? We all have similar needs. We have similar wants, desires. We all have these, um, what? Oh, can someone back there, somebody maybe bump the table. Thank you. Um, oh, it's the lamp. What do we need? Someone who knows technical things, help me, please. I know nothing. All right, so. Um, okay, while he does that, we're going to keep talking. So people are people. We, we, um, we have these principles in the Bible and in Spirit of Prophecy that will help us to know how to relate to people. One thing that um, recently I've been convicted on is that a main part of being able to witness, to share with people, uh, to create um, an environment where people are comfortable to talk about spiritual things, it all starts with listening to people. It starts with listening and caring. I was on a flight, and I was very tired because I had been up all night, and this is normally how it goes, big trips, I'm rushing before, I'm up all night packing, and I get on the plane, and I'm like, now it's time to sleep, right? And I, a guy sits down by me, he's with his wife, and he asks if, you know, I want to trade seats, and um, I say, you know, well, sure, if you want to, or whatever, he's like, oh, never mind, I see my wife all the time, I'll sit by you. I, you could tell he wanted to talk, and she was just going to sleep. So he sits down, and he talks the entire flight, non-stop, doesn't take a breath. I had to say, excuse me, sir, may I please go use the bathroom? <laughs> he just kept going and going, and I was just thinking in my mind, why does this man keep talking? I just want to sleep. And I got off the plane, and immediately, as I was walking out of the plane, I thought, Chelsea, you didn't even listen. You didn't even care. There could have been something in there that he said that would have opened the way for you to share spiritual things with him. I found out that he, he um, was a Christian. He was actually a Seventh-day Adventist, but, um, but I don't know where his walk was at with Christ. I don't, I don't know if God had something that he wanted me to share with him or maybe something for me to learn. So as, I, as I, um, I've been doing ministry for a while, or Bible work and all of these things, and I'm taught over and over how to awaken spiritual interest, how to talk to people, how to find the things they're interested. But sometimes, 
Self rises up and we miss opportunities that we could have had. In ministry of healing, we have the key. We have the key to finding, um, to witnessing to people, to finding people who are interested. Christ's method alone will give what? We try to write these books and brainstorm and come up with a way of success. Like in my workplace, I want to find people. I want to save souls. In my ministry, I want to do that. And we, we, we brainstorm and come up with these things. But, you know, we have something, a basis to go off of. In reaching, he had a, a, a way to find true success in reaching the people. The Savior did what? He mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. We, you may have heard this, and it just goes in one ear out there. there. There is so much in here. The Savior first did what? Gave them a Bible study? Did he, uh, he right away told them that what they were doing is wrong? You need to stop doing all of these things. What? You're smoking and drinking? You need to stop. Is that how the Savior started? It says he mingled with men. He went to where the people were. He went to where the people were. At your workplace, there they are. But he mingled with him. He got to know them. And then it says he, he was desiring their good. He showed sympathy. If you're going to show sympathy to someone, what do you have to know? You have to know their need. You have to know their problems. You have to know what's going on in their life. So in mingling, the Savior found out people's needs because he desired their good. How often do, do we sit by someone or at lunch at work or talk to someone or wherever we are, and instead of thinking about their good, we're thinking about ourselves. If we start seeing people in this light according to this, the Savior's method, it will completely change your workplace, your ministry, whatever you're doing. So he sympathized with them. He knew what was going on, and he felt for them. He cared. He cared. He ministered to their needs. Okay, so he finds out their needs. He's sympathizing. Then he doesn't just say, hey, good luck. He doesn't just say, I'll pray for you. Have a nice day. Prayer is powerful. I'm not downplaying that. We need to pray for people. But how often do we bypass a need that we could help with? I'm going to share uh, an experience with you. It's uh, when I was doing um, Bible work. And you may think, well, this is in ministry. But like I said... People are people. I was getting to know these people, and I wanted to, to get into Bible studies with them, but it just didn't seem to be going. You know, we just start to get into it, and they would lose interest. And I was praying one morning. I, I was down on my knees, and I was like, Lord, what do I do? I mean, we have meetings coming soon, and I want to study the Bible with these people. Why aren't they interested? And in my mind specifically came, bring Loretta flowers. It's like, What? Lord, I really need to, you know, study the Bible with these people. Bring Loretta flowers. All right. It was very specific. You know, I didn't hear a voice out loud, but just this overwhelming impression in my mind. So I wrote it down. I kept praying, Lord, Lord, what about this person and this person? You know, we need to study the Bible. Bring Gloria and Tina two boxes of groceries. These very specific things. As I continued to pray, the Lord was laying these things on my heart. But I'm like, Lord, the spiritual, I need to get there. I need to get into the Bible study. So that day I go out, um, it was a day off, and so I was just going to visit these people. I stop, I pick up flowers, I pick up groceries, I show up at the first house, and I knock on the door feeling a little strange, standing there with a bouquet of flowers. 
Her husband comes to the door. He opens the door and he looks at me and he looks pale, tired, like he hasn't really been sleeping. He's like, what, you know, what do you, I was like, I just brought Loretta flowers. He's like, how did you know? I don't know anything. I just brought some flowers. How did you know? You know, uh, she, she's been interested in, in the Bible a little bit or whatever, but she's been having trouble with her health. And last night she fell and she just said, you know what? Uh, she was really sick. The ambulance came, amb- ambulance came, all these things. And she was really bad. She was laying in bed and she told me, you know what? No one cares about me. No one cares about me. My family doesn't care. You know, uh, God doesn't care. They say God's this God. Of, God doesn't care. I'm done with God. I'm done with these Bible studies. I'm done with all of it. If God cares, then he needs to show me. Knock, knock, knock. (laughs) I go to the next house. Knock, knock. They open the door. Brought you some groceries. How did you know? How did I know what? Come in. They open the cupboards, and there's nothing. No food. We ran out of food and we don't get paid for two more weeks, we didn't know what we were going to do. This will get us through the two weeks. You know what happened after that? I show up the next week for Bible study. They're like, yes, let's study the Bible. <laughs> Loretta sits down, she starts crying, she's like, Chelsea, now I know God cares, and I want to know more about him. That is not just in ministry. This was a day off, right? Even in, even in ministry, often we miss so many opportunities because we get in this mindset of our 8 to 5, 9 to 5 job. Maybe whatever your job is, there are people around you that they have needs. They have hurts. They have things going on in their life. And let me tell you, if you want to start reaching people with the gospel, if you want to start sharing the Bible, if you want to start Bible studies... Start here. Care about people. You know what? That takes some sacrifice, right? We have to put ourselves aside. Look for their needs. People in your work, if, you, if there's somebody at your work who's just always negative, always, they're just crabby, they're negative, everything's always going, look for a need and, and bring something to them, try to fulfill that need, and you will watch something happen amazing in that person's life. Follow the Savior's method. He, it says he did these things first, then he bade them follow me. He didn't walk up to them and be like, okay, we need to study the Bible. Now, now in some cases, we're going to look at some things. Jesus didn't treat every situation the same, but he always had a goal in mind. Your success, Gospel Workers, page 193, your success will not depend so much upon your what? Your knowledge and accomplishments. So if you go up to them and you tell them that, you know, you are the best doctor, and let me tell you about all the things that I've done. Is that going to uh, win their heart? It doesn't depend on your knowledge and accomplishments. Maybe you feel like you don't know the Bible well, or you don't know that much, or you haven't accomplished enough. That doesn't matter. It says it doesn't matter upon that, as upon your ability to find your way to what? The heart. By being social, coming close to the people, you may turn the current of their thoughts more readily than by the most able discourse. So you're not a preacher. Who cares? God wants to use you in a mighty way in your workplace. Outside of your workplace. The people around you. God has plans that you cannot even imagine. When Christ reached people, 
he, he approached people differently. Go to the book of John. And you may be thinking, Chelsea, this is, you know, this is basic. Like, I know this stuff. I care about people. You know what? If we were actually doing what we know, we would see drastic change. But instead, uh, we just, we miss it sometimes. So in John, if you even look starting in chapter 2, you see something. Jesus approaches people differently. He has the same goal in mind, their heart, but when he goes to them, the approach is different. In John chapter 2, what, what's happening there? Tell me, that, tell me that story. What's happening? The wedding feast. And what happens at the wedding feast? They run out of wine. It's this, this social embarrassment. There's a, there's a social issue here. And what does Jesus do? Does he go in and say, everyone sit down, I'm going to give you a Bible study. What does he do? He meets the need. Jesus goes here and he meets a social need. Then in chapter 3, we're not reading all these. What's going on in chapter 3 of John? Nicodemus. And what happens when Jesus goes to Nicodemus? How does he approach him? With the spiritual. Nicodemus comes to him and he's talking to him and Jesus is listening to what he's saying. And he sees that there's opportunity to share on a spiritual level. That's where Nicodemus is at. He can start right there. There are some people that I meet for the, for, on an airplane and we're, I'm flying to the next place I need to be. And right then I know they're ready. <clears throat> Listening to what they're saying, I see they're open to spiritual things and there's a Bible study. But that's not everyone. But here Nicodemus, Christ meets the spiritual need. Now what about chapter 4? What's happening there? <clears throat> the Samaritan woman. What happens with her? How does Jesus approach her? Are you guys sleeping? Does he get, what happens? He asks for water. He asks her for a favor. And then he finds out that some other things are going on with her, right? These emotional needs. All these husbands, these relationships, all these things, outcasts. There are emotional needs. And what does Christ do? He meets her there. He, meet, he, he meets that emotional need. And you see in the next chapter, Christ heals this man. There's a physical need and he heals him. Chapter 6, he, he feeds people. They're hungry. There's a need and Christ meets it. And what does that do? It opens doors for more. It opens doors for more. There are people at your work that have these needs. Do you know what they are? If we don't know what they are, obviously we're not close enough to the person to find out. And that's where we have to go. We have to get close. We have to get our hands dirty, so to speak. There's a quote in Christian service that I really like, and I always thought that this only applied to, like, you know, evangelists and Bible workers and those kind of people. But what does it say? It says, go to your neighbors one by one. Come close to them till their hearts are warmed by your unselfish interest and love. Sympathize with them. Pray with them. Watch for opportunities to do them good. And as you can, gather a few together. Open the word of God to their darkened minds. Who is our neighbor? Who's our neighbor? You guys know the story about the Good Samaritan. What happens there? Who, who does Jesus, by telling that parable, say our neighbor is? Everyone. 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 Pe- people in need. They're our neighbor. This doesn't literally just mean you're going to your neighbor's doors and knocking, although I think we should do that. I think we should meet them all. I don't know all my neighbors. <laughs> but we... It's our neighbor. It's who I'm sitting by. It's who you're sitting by at work. It's, it's 
the people around you, those in need. Who is our neighbor? We're to go to them. It says to, to warm their hearts with our unselfish interest. Turn with me to John chapter 12. And if someone can just uh, let me know when I have 10 minutes left. John chapter 12, I um, took a class, actually, uh, She Is Here by Annie Morgan. She taught a class when I went to Amazing Facts College of Evangelism. And she came in and she started with this verse. Now, I had just been knocking on doors in Grass Valley. Let me tell you what was happening in Grass Valley. I would go up to a door, knock on it with my partner. Person would open the door, we'd barely start to talk and they'd slam the door in our face. We'd go down the hill and up the next door, same thing over and over and over. We had one guy just cuss us out and throw the flyer back in our face. I mean, I was just not having a good experience. And then we go to this verse, John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus is speaking and Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw some people to me. Oh, wait, what does it say? I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. She said, God is drawing all people. Yeah, right, have you knocked on doors in Grass Valley? <laughs> These people don't care. God is drawing. If Jesus is lifted up, all people will be drawn to him. We're lifting up Christ, but these people aren't, these people aren't interested. Do, we, do you believe the Bible? Whoa, that was only like two amens. Do you believe in the Bible? Amen. Okay, it's the inspired word of God. Do we believe these words? Amen. Do we operate off of this? She said, okay, so God's drawing all people. Then why aren't they responding? Um, I'm going to skip this quote for now. If you want to write down the reference, it is a good quote. But for sake of time, Ministry of Healing 157. So why do so many people direct, um, reject? Why, if God is drawing all people? Before there can be an intense desire of the wealth contained in Christ, which is available to who? All who feel their poverty. There must be a sense of need. When the heart is full of self-sufficiency and preoccupied with the superficial things of earth, the Lord Jesus rebukes and chastens in order that men may awake to a realization of their true condition. What's happening here? It's kind of like a magnet. If you put a positive and a positive together, what happens? Positive and negative together, what happens? They attract. What happens if you put the magnet to a piece of wood? Nothing happens. It's the same with people. But the whole time the magnet's drawing. When Christ is lifted up, the whole time God is drawing men and women to him. But people respond differently, don't they? You may have someone at work and every time you bow your head to pray over your lunch, oh, they get mad. Maybe it's a family member. Anytime something religious comes up, oh, that's the end of it. They're mad. Or maybe it's the other way. They just don't care. Whatever. What's good for you is good for you. I don't care. And then there's others that are interested. So this is how it is. Some are inactive. Just don't really care. Some are repelled. They're very hostile. Some are attracting. They're searching. And this is, this is kind of the equation we have. We are told to preach the truth in love. in love. We need truth and we need love. When you take out one, you have a problem. Truth, love minus truth equals apathy. If there's all this love, but they don't really know truth, 
don't, we don't really know our true condition. We haven't seen truth. Christ is coming soon. We haven't seen these things from the Bible. They don't care. Truth minus love, people will be hostile. This truth's being shoved down their throat, but they haven't seen the love of Christ. The love of Christ is what converts our hearts. And truth plus love is that attraction. Now, now what does this mean for you at your work? That person that, that maybe is really angry every time that comes up, do you know what's happened in their past? Um, I had a lady, let's call her Jenny. And Jenny, uh, when used to be a Seventh Adventist, but um, someone within the church hurt her and her family horribly. Uh, molested someone close to her. Horrible situation. This person was a leader in the church, right? So she leaves. She, she leaves and she's hurt. She's, she's upset. She doesn't understand. And then someone comes and knocks on her door or, or talks to her and is like, Oh, we should study the Bible. Do you want to come to church? And what happens inside of her? Absolutely not. Those kind of people, those hypocrites, what are you talking? And all of those emotions come up again. And she explodes at you. Is she mad at you? I, said, I, I studied the Bible with this lady a little bit. She didn't want Bible study. Why do you think? She had been so hurt that that just brought back those memories. But you know what? We became friends. She needed to see love. She needed to see someone care and say, you know what? I'm sorry that you're hurt. That was wrong. But God does love you. And I, I'm going to show you that, right? And changes started to come in her life after that. But, but when somebody reacts to you, instead of taking that personally, dig a little deeper. Find out what's going on. Maybe, maybe they're not some deaf, maybe they're Christian, maybe they've been hurt by a Christian. They say, you know what? I'm just going to reject this whole God thing. Forget it. Find out what's going on, going on in their life. And you're going to find um, that once you get a little deeper, they'll open up. Everyone fears something, has lost something, and loves something. Why are those important? If you go there with people, you are going to get close to them and they are going to learn to trust you. Oftentimes, people will start to open up, but we're so busy. You know, you're at work, right? You don't, I mean, it's busy. You have things to do. And this person is starting to kind of like talk about stuff. You can either encourage them to open up more or you can go do your thing. Oftentimes we miss these opportunities to reach people at a, at a deeper level because we're in a hurry. That's, that's, that just happened to me not too long ago. Uh, a while back I was at a conference and I was rushing around. So you may see me do here. And I was running to the next thing and... And, you know, it was like either eat or you're going to talk to somebody, right? Like the doors of probation are closing for the food. And I'm on my way. I have like two minutes to eat. And someone's like, can I talk to you? Um, okay. <laughs> this and this and this is going on in my life, and I think I'm going to leave the church, and I'm done with God. Wow. What happens if you're like... You know, I have something I have to do. Another time someone try, stops me and, and first they talk about a little issue, right? Just have a short prayer. There's nothing really big going on. But that person comes back later and says, that really wasn't the issue. I need to talk to you. 
So often we miss opportunities wherever we are. You're at GYC, right? So you're like going to these seminars to learn how you're gonna go back home and, and be a witness. What about right here? Look for people's needs, ask them about these things, go deeper with people, care. Sounds pretty basic, right? But if we do it, you will see changes at your workplace. And be like, what's up with this girl? Man, she doesn't think of herself. She's always just caring about other people. And you know, pretty soon everybody's talking to you. It's going to open opportunities. And then you can transition to the spiritual. So a few practical things. Reveal God through your life. Sebastian talked about that. People will ask you questions like, why, do you do that? why are you vegetarian? Why are you doing this? They'll ask you questions about it. Pray that God will awaken spiritual interest. When you pray that prayer, you may see horrible things happen. Maybe that person just doesn't care about God and then all of a sudden, like they lose their job. And you're like, God, what, why are you doing this to them? I mean, I'm praying for them. But maybe they were so caught up in their job that they're missing God and they needed to fall flat on their back in order to look up. And what you need to do in those times is draw close to that person. Look for the times when God does use those things in their life to awaken their need and be beside them. Work with God. Often we're, we're not working with God. We're on our own schedule. We're like, God, you know, we need to hurry this up. And we're trying to rush it when God's like, slow down and let me do my work. Or the other way around. We're dragging our feet and we're like, too ashamed to say anything. And God's like, speak up. Now's the time. Work with God. Turn conversations to spiritual topics. If somebody is just having an awful day and they're telling you all about this, you're like, you know, listen, I'm really sorry. Do you mind if, if I add you to my prayer list? If they're like, no, you know, okay. And maybe as you form that relationship with him, maybe in those times you can say, can we have a quick prayer? Be sensitive to the environment, be sensitive to the situation, depending on where you work. You want to be careful. Of course that you don't um, offend others where you now don't have the opportunity to reach them. But take that time, look deeper, come close to them, and then later follow up with Bible study. And we'll get to that. We're going to talk about that in detail tomorrow. One other thing I encourage you to do, pray for divine appointments. This is when God brings two people together for his purpose. Not just to have a nice little chat and then go your way, but for his purpose. I was talking with a young lady and she said, Chelsea, you know what? I want to witness at work, but I just, you know, I just don't know what to say. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to push it on them. And I just don't, I don't know where to start. Like, I try to say little things, but, you know, I just don't know what to do. And I said, pray for a divine appointment. She's like, well, I said, just pray, start praying for a divine appointment. Every time I pray that prayer, God always answers. I said, pray for a divine appointment. She started praying. I see her the next weekend. Chelsea, I just had a divine appointment. God opened the door and someone at work approached me about a spiritual matter. Praise God. Sometimes we miss it. We sit in seminars to get training and we want to know exactly what to say. Give me a canvas, Chelsea. I'm going to go to work and give all these people a canvas and everyone's going to come to God. It doesn't work that way. Because people are different. People have different needs. And you know what? It's about our connection with God and he gives us discernment. He gives you the words to speak at the right time. You don't need a canvas. Be in your Bibles, be praying. Pray for divine appointments. You know, I used to pray for that every time I got on a plane. And then one time I was traveling and it was one, another one of these situations when I was exhausted and I did not pray the prayer. 
every time I'd have divine appointment, divine appointment in that time, no one. And I was so convicted partway through, I couldn't even sleep on the flight. I kept like waking up, I'm like, man, I didn't pray for a divine appointment. God answers that prayer every time I pray it. It's not like, oh, hey, can I jump in the baptismal pool? But it's an opportunity to share God's love. It's an opportunity to share his word, his truth. Whether it's a full-on Bible study or I'm able to plant that seed or pray with somebody. I prayed that another time traveling. I'm on a plane a lot, so that's a lot of my experiences recently. <laughs> the last year I've lived on Delta. Um, <laughs> that's not an ad for them. <laughs> anyway, so I was on the plane again, and I prayed for that, and I sit next to this lady, and she's scared to death of flying. I find out she believes in God, and I ask her if I can pray with her as the plane's taking off. Here's me and this lady in the very back row praying. Now, let me tell you, I was supposed to be on first class on that plane, a lucky time of getting upgraded, but I had switched flights. I ended up in the last seat by the bathrooms, and I was like, man, but God had me there for a reason. And here's me and this lady praying the whole way up. Then she starts opening up about her kids and what's going on in her life. The rest of the flight, spiritual conversation. You know, that, that's, that can be people at your work. Pray for divine appointments and then be prepared for them. You need to watch for them. All right, a couple more quick things. Practical tips. Listening, looking for times when people want to open up. This is everywhere. Keep, be aware of other people. Instead of thinking of all the things that we have to do, sometimes just pause, pray, say, God, open my eyes. Find the needs, build trust. You don't want to jump to the spiritual without that. Be sensitive to the environment. Um, I don't know what area you work in, but some of you may have challenges at work. As Sebastian pointed out, you can create those friendships and, and do some of the spiritual things outside of work Meet, or on lunch break, on your break time. Care about people. Don't judge too soon. You know, you may look at someone and say, they're just not interested. You know, have you heard about the, the green fruit and the ripe fruit? How many of you heard about that? Okay, so some people use a comparison and they say, some people are like ripe fruit. They're like a ripe apple, ready to be picked, right? They are ready for spiritual things. They are ready to study the Bible. But some people are more green. They need more time. They're not interested at all. And that's very true. That's a true principle. Some people, we're all at, at different points, and some people aren't ready for the spiritual thing yet. Um, but sometimes that's used as an excuse. And we look at people, and we judge them through our eyes. Oh, they're not ready. Oh, they're not interested in spiritual things. But really, we don't know because we haven't gone deeper with them. So don't judge too quickly. Um, come to know people. I can't repeat that enough. Sa it takes sacrifice. It takes time. Are you willing to give up that time? In order to go beyond the, the you know, 9 to 5, the day to day, in order to go beyond that schedule, you have to, to make time. You know, I've traveled to so many churches. And the one thing I always hear is, Chelsea, I don't have time to give a Bible study. How long does a Bible study take? Like 45 minutes? An hour? If we can't take one hour out of a week, there's a problem. If we can't take one hour out of a week to share the word of God, there is a major problem. God opens that time. He will carve it out somehow. But God will, God will open the opportunities if we um, are willing to make that, that sacrifice, which it really isn't a sacrifice. It will enrich your walk with God. Tomorrow we're going to talk more about the Word of God in the workplace. Now, maybe not sitting down and studying while you're at work, but sometimes it does mean that. I know many people who um, have Bible studies going on at work right now, and uh, it does depend on the environment you work on. But I want to read this quote to you. 
And we're going to close on this. Truth that is not lived, that is not imparted to others, loses its life-giving power. I'm going to read that again. Truth that is not lived, that is not imparted to others, loses its life-giving power. The Word of God, it's God-breathed. It's a living Word of God. And if we are not living it, if we are not sharing it with others, it says it loses its power in our life. It's so important that you yourself are in the Word of God and that you are sharing it with someone else. I cannot emphasize that enough. If we are not sharing, we, we just die spiritually. God has called you for a very specific purpose and reason. He has placed you in your job for a purpose. And that purpose is not to, you know, just like make a lot of money and get a nice boat or something. I don't know. It's an eternal purpose. I, I'm excited for the last session of this. Dr. Chung is going to be sharing testimonies of what has been happening um, in his workplace uh, as a physician and, and the people he's been able to reach and many of them baptized and active members in the church over a short time. And I'm excited for you to hear more of those testimonies. I want to share a story with you that I heard that um, has stuck with me and, and we'll just have this as our closing. There was a man named Nullis Statton. He was a supervisor in a radio control tower for the U.S. military. He was stationed in Japan and one day while he was at work, a call came in. Two uh, pilots had been flying in formation when one of them went down. And the, the other pilot had called and he said, hey, my wingman has gone down. We need, we need help, can you send the rescue team? So Staten, he did his job, he called the rescue team and in 120 seconds flat, they were to be in the air on the way to the crash. So he made the call and they were waiting. Another call came in from the pilot. He had descended below the clouds and he found his wingman. He had bailed from his plane and he was just bobbing helplessly in the water. So he calls and he says, listen, my wingman, he's, he's in the water. He's trying to get his life raft inflated. Please, can you send the rescue team? Minutes pass, no helicopter. He calls in again. He says, my, my wingman, he's, he's going under. He couldn't get his life raft inflated. Please, did you call the, the rescue team? Satin had done what he could. He had called them. They're just waiting. A few more minutes passed. Another call comes in. And he's like, listen, he, he's going under. If we don't get help soon, please, please send help. He's watching his friend, his, his wingman, struggling in the water, struggling for his life. More minutes pass, there's still no helicopter. He calls in, only two more calls come in after that. He's four or five feet under the water. I don't know if he's coming up again. Please, have you called the rescue team? The last call. I can't see him anymore. I, I'm afraid we've lost him. Staten was furious. The rescue team never showed up on the scene of the crash. They did an investigation and guess what they found? This team had decided to do some Christmas shopping at a nearby retail store about 50 miles away. They never even heard the call. 
They were so busy taking care of themselves that they never heard the cry for help. So busy taking care of ourselves that we do not even hear the cry. May God give us a new mindset, give us new eyes to see people as he sees them, to truly love people and to care about them, to hear the cries for help, to stop being so focused on ourselves that when we go to work or when we're at home or when we're on the plane or on the bus or on the streets that we are going forth with his purpose, not our own. God wants to use you in incredible ways to change your workplace. Just think if this army of young people, young and old, rightly trained, went forth not thinking of themselves but of others and finished this work. I would love to hear testimonies. Hey, I went to my workplace and I just started like looking at the people, caring for them, finding out their needs, and it opened up into Bible study and now I'm studying with everyone at my work, right? It's possible. Maybe it's one at your work and you study with that one who has influence with all the others. Maybe it's in your family. I don't know what it is. But let us pray that our ears will be open to hear the cries for help, that our eyes will be open to see those who are open to spiritual things. Now we will pray for those divine appointments. Take those opportunities to share Christ. Let's pray, and then um, we'll spend some time for questions, but if people need to leave, I, I want to let them go. So um, let's pray. Father in heaven, as we've taken these moments, just to look at the way you see people, Lord, you, you mingled with people, you cared about them, you sympathized, you, you loved them. And so often, Lord, we don't even know what that means. We are half listening when people are speaking. We're thinking of ourselves. We're looking at the next thing to do. And Lord, I ask that you change that in us. That we will care about people as, as you do. That you will give us new eyesight. And Lord, I, I ask for every single person in this room, I pray on their behalf that you will give them a divine appointment. Lord, a clear divine appointment that they will know comes from you and that their eyes um, will be opened to see it and to act upon it. Give them courage to step forward in faith for you. And Lord, if we have failed you, if we have been unfaithful in the past, Lord, help us to make that right and to be faithful now. Lord, just um, change our hearts. Make us more like you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.